It's the Urban Parlay with your host, Sandra DuBose. Vibe with the tribe that'll take your stress away. Right here on the Urban Parlay. Bonjour and welcome to the Urban Parlay podcast with your host, Sandra DeBose. And let me tell you, we've got another amazing episode for you today. As you know, it's June. What does that mean? It's Black Music Month. But really, when is it not Black Music Month? I mean, what are we talking about? Okay. Do you think that we're just labeled to one particular month? It's not possible. But in honor of Black Music Month, I had to bring on my girl. Her name is Reese Palmer, and she is just so freaking awesome. I'm a huge fan of her uh, professionally and her music and personally. I just follow her on social media because I love her spirit, her personality. She's no nonsense. Let me tell you some of the uh, official things about her. That's just me loving on her. But she is, uh, this woman can sing her face off. Do you hear me? She not only does R&B, she can sing anything. Believe me, she can sing anything she put a mind to, okay? However, she's really made her mark in country music. And we're going to talk a lot about that today because you need to know what this woman is doing. Um, she started off, she calls her music Southern Soul, which I think that's a perfect title for her. Um, in 2007, her debut album um, is Reese Palmer. It was released with the singles Country Girl, um, Hold On To Me. Uh, she did a cover of No Air, charting on the Billboard Country Chart. Um, so she's making some amazing strides in country music. And just so you know, Black music is all kinds of music. We, we represent every genre. So if you thought country music was just for the um, Caucasian persuasion, the devil is a lie. We all up in country music. We love it too. Okay. So she's representing with that. She has a brand new show, which I love. It's called Color Me Country Radio with Reese Palmer. It's on Apple Music. You got to check it out. She's having some real serious conversations about the topic of how do we really bring black music into the country arena and get the respect that we deserve because come on now we're gonna talk about it anyway Reese's been all over the place she has uh, performed at the white house lincoln center she's been written up um, in the wall street journal uh, huffington post ebony everything and uh, she would appeared on oprah and friends okay so when you get to be close to oprah i mean come on we talk <laughs> What are we talking about? I don't know why she didn't bring me, but that's okay. We're going to talk about that next time I will be there. So I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to bring her on. This is my girl, Reese Palmer. Welcome to the Urban Parlay podcast, girl. Yeah, the intro. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank it's my pleasure. Sandra, so this is, this is a mutual admiration society right now. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, and I, I just thank you so much because you always support whatever initiative I'm doing, whether it's putting together a show or whatever. I'm like, oh, let's get Reese. And Reese is always like, I got you, girl. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that. So let's get right into it. Let's start with, you know, let's go here. I want you to tell us about your background. So what I do know about you is that you are from Somerville, Georgia. Because one of my favorite songs that you sing is Somerville. I love that video. I love the vibe. So can you tell me a little bit about your growing up, your influence in music, and why you chose country music? Mm -hmm. um, well, so my mother is actually the one that's from Somerville. I grew up, I was born in Swickley, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. And I was raised in Eureka, Missouri. And so um, my mom and my dad are the ones that are from Georgia. Okay. I spent, ironically, I think I've spent more time in Georgia than I have anywhere else that I've ever lived. Okay. Because, you know, my family, my dad is the middle of nine and my mother was the oldest of eight. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. 
So I have a huge family. So we spent a lot and there, and it's a close family. So everybody spent, spends time together. And we used to spend holidays together. And that's where I was sent during the summer. Okay. I always tell my daughter, like, you know, you go to summer camp. I didn't go to summer camp. We went to grandma's house. <laughs> exactly. The whole summer. So, right. so yeah, so that's, I spent my childhood every summer, every summer until I turned like 14. Okay. Okay. And in Somerville specifically, that's where my great grandmother lived. And I just, as far as music is concerned, like I was really fortunate in that my parents listened to a lot of really different stuff. Okay. So in our house, it wouldn't be strange to hear Tina Turner one minute and then Dolly Parton the next minute. Mm. Or Shaka Khan and then Kenny Rogers or something like that. And so it was, um, you know, we just, we listened to everything and I was exposed to everything and I was encouraged to listen and to play and like pick records. Reese, what do you want to listen to today? Okay. That sort of thing. And so it, they really, I mean, like I always tease them. I was like, you built this monster. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? And so I, the thing about country music that drew me in, the thing that I loved always was the stories. I would sit, I can remember vividly sitting by the speakers. Yeah. Um, of the record player and you know young folks are like what now what is what's the what's the record player because you know I'm about 25 myself I don't know what a record player is <laughs> what is that <laughs> just, my parents were just retro I, okay <laughs> no but um no I, think that, no I I can remember sitting and like just getting into these stories and getting into what is she talking about right I, I know that feeling. I felt that before. Or I've seen that before. My grandma has that or my mom does that. Yeah. And so I just got drawn into the stories. And then I started writing my own stories. Right. My own stories. And like I've been told, um, like my father, I'm prone to hyperbole. And so we like <laughs> we like to tell, we like to tell good stories. And okay. it just spoke to that part of me. And I also love the instrumentation. Yeah. I loved the delivery and just how a lot of times it's just this very sparse solo, like yeah. just out there on its own. Like it's standing on its own. The song is standing on its own. Sure. The vocalist is standing on its own. It's very minimal production. Like just, it's just you really literally three chords in the truth. Hey, and hey, I love that. Yeah. And I just, and I was drawn to that. And so, um, my listening started to kind of sway that way mm-hmm. and I got more into folk and I got more into country and singer songwriter and that sort of thing. Okay. So let me ask you this question. What nationality are you? Black mixed with black. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit more black, put a little bit more black up in there. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like I always say, well, my father's light skinned and my mother's brown skinned. And so okay. that's, yeah, no, I'm, I'm weird as, as, as far as, uh, great great grandparents, I believe. Okay, got you. Okay, got you. So, were you? Did you come? Could you come up in a musical family? Because you play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, do you play any other instruments? And were you in a a musical family? Like mama sing, daddy plays the guitar. We all just sit around jamming yeah. on the one. Like, what did that look like? <laughs> I have musical people in my family. Like okay. my grandmother, my dad's mom was a gospel singer. Oh, really? And was courted by the gospel caravan, the Mighty Clouds of Joy. When oh, she, I, I love that. But her aunt was like, no, music is, no, you're not singing that music and you're not going on the road. You're not going to be a musician. That part. So she never did. And she got married and had children and and just sang in church. But she had a beautiful voice. And I have cousins that sing. Okay. But um, nobody, nobody did it professionally except me. Okay. Yeah. And mom and dad do not sing. No. They don't sing. (laughs) No, they did not. But they loved your singing and they, yeah. they always supported you in that journey. Oh my God. Like almost to, like my biological mother. So my, my biological mother passed away when I was seven. And oh, really? so, um, okay. but up until then, mm-hmm. he was the orchestrator of the circus that was me. <laughs> 
Is that what you call it? <laughs> and, you know, she wanted to, she would encourage me to dance and sing. I can remember them waking me up to come downstairs when they were having house parties. We used to go on and dance and I'd be in my footy pajamas. And You're all. that kid. You're that kid. I was that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Her and she'll sing. Just go. I love so, that. Yeah, that was, that was me. <laughs> But did they encourage you to do it professionally or, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, we always know the joke, like Eddie Murphy is like, that boy is good. You know, the, the family gets around and encourages you, but were they like, no, you've got the stuff. Like we want to really take you to a professional level. Did they get behind you in that way? Did you take classes and do oh, all yeah. of that? Okay. I was, I was very fortunate and I, and I try to be the same parent to my children. Okay. Um, Anything that I, I showed an interest or an aptitude for, my mm -hmm. parents put me in. So like, really? I love to dance, so then they put me in dance. Okay. And I love to sing. So then I started taking piano lessons and voice lessons. Okay. And so they put me in acting classes. Really? And they encouraged it. Now, did they really want me to like quit school and go move and go do this? No, probably, probably not. <laughs> that was in... So when I, you know, when I, when I approached them, when I was 17, like, okay, so I think I'm going to leave college and <laughs> I don't think they were like excited about it. I don't remember anyone being excited about it, Okay, but they didn't stop me. Okay, They were just like, you are, you're 17, 18, you're not going to be this age always. Mm -hmm. And you're not always going to have these opportunities. And so go pursue it. And if yeah. it doesn't work out, go to school, go, yeah. come, go back to school. Nice. And that was what they, and that, that was huge. That is that huge. Huge for That's me. Big. That is big. That's very big because they must've believed and saw what was really possible. Like this girl has got the stuff, not for nothing. If she really, you know, it's about getting connected with the right people, right. having that right opportunity and sky's the limit. Everything's possible. And I, and I, and you know, and that, I can't tell you how much that means. And so when people ask like, well, what do you, you know, what if your children, I would, I mean, I'd be terrified for them yeah. and I'll try to guide them as much as possible because that was the one thing because nobody was in entertainment. Mm. So like they couldn't, there wasn't really a whole lot of advice that I could be given. Sure. It was a lot of trial and error. And those first few years out on my own with, my managers and with the various situations that we found ourselves in. Sure. There wasn't a lot that my parents could offer except for prayer. <laughs> right. They, there, there was no guidance that they could yeah. give. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, in turn with my children, because I have had the experience, I can help guide a little bit better. But yeah, I would be, I would, I would do the same thing. Sure. I get it. I totally get it. And it's interesting because like for me as a singer as well, I didn't come from a musical family and, I, but I didn't have that kind of support. Like if I wanted to do a play in school, it was like, okay, that's cute. You know, if I wanted to go uh, do some demos with the producer around the corner, go ahead. That's cute. You know uh -huh. what I mean? But there was nothing that they could add to when it was time to really try to pursue it on a professional yeah. level. They were just like, I don't know. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and I think, you know, in the industry, don't you find that, you know, we, we may look at a lot of artists that are experiencing a certain level of success and they may not always be the most talented. I just had this argument with okay. today because uh, on Twitter, of yeah. course, <laughs> but, um, no, they were they were trying to make the argument because and, and I'm sure we'll get into this later on about, you know, the basis of my show and a lot mm. of what I talk about. Right. And it's like, well, the best artists are the ones that are successful. And it's like, oh, you poor sweet child, you don't know anything about the music business. You, do you? really don't. Absolutely. It's not. And it and it's and it's unfortunate. And of course, to the to everyone else. That's it looks that way. It looks that way. <laughs> right. Well, of course. I mean, she's the most money. She's making the mo most money. So clearly she's the most. No, mm -mm -mm. it's not always like that. And mm. it's like, and that's not me. That's not us being bitter or no. away from someone's success no. or talent or any of that. But it's just that I need the public. I need everyone to know. Right. 50 things have to align. Yes. In order for all these things to come together. Yes. And the least of these things is talent. 
Come on now. I mean, and it's the truth. Right. It's who sees you. Yes. It's who signed you. It's when you're signed. Yes. How much money is put behind you. Yes. Who likes you and is going to play <laughs> part of your group? Who, you know, what do they think about your manager? What right. do they think about the person that brought them the record? Who is the producer? When was it? Pro- yeah. Like it's, there's so many variables stars that have to align. They do. And sometimes I think that it just has to be a stroke of luck because you could be out here busting your entire behind. And especially it's changed so much in the age of the internet where you can become a star by, you know, posting something on YouTube, you know, and that's, that's really what the record companies are wanting. They want self-made success stories so that they can capitalize on the success you've already created for yourself. Like the whole dynamic has really changed. And that's why you see a lot of people that they may be good on YouTube, but do they really have a show, right? If you were to go see them in concert, can they really show up and give you a strong performance and and carry a whole, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot. So you're, you're still on your journey. So now you, and you have a, you have some new music that you're working on currently, right? I am. I'm working yeah, on it. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. So, but talk to me about Color Me Country and how you got this opportunity to be the host of this show. And I want to talk to you about one of the conversations I saw on YouTube that you had on the show with, um, what's her name, Marin Morris. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. But how did you get to be a part of Color Me Country? So Color Me Country, before it was on Apple, was uh, a podcast idea that I was working on. Okay. Um, very, very good girlfriend of mine, um, Shelly Warren, had been encouraging me for years to do it. And okay. I was like, girl, don't nobody want to hear me talk. We do. (laughs) So I just was like, you know, you know, discounting yourself and then thinking about the amount of work that it was going to take. And like, do I really have time to do that? Do I really want to devote that much time to it? Sure. Well, in comes COVID. Yeah. And suddenly all my gigs have been canceled and I'm home with the kids. Right. My husband and nowhere to go. Yeah. I know that everyone's home. And so I'm just like, you know what? This is an idea that I've been kicking around. I've been talking about it. been talking about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And stuff. I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I started working on it in March of 2020, actually. Okay. And um, it got picked up in June of 2020 mm-hmm. because of another friend who mm-hmm. was a host on Apple Music who told them about my show, what I was working on. Okay. And um, yeah, and they picked up the show literally a week before I was supposed to launch on my own. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and it was, um, so I, like, complete sidebar, but for anybody that's been kicking around an idea, mm-hmm. don't go away, go on and do it. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> go on and do it. <laughs> that's the universe. That's yeah. God, whatever you call it, your sure. personal compass whatever it is like that's that's your gut follow that follow it indeed um yeah and so it turned into it it went from being a podcast into a radio show because we can play songs because apple yeah it's apple Apple. (laughs) right they have you know we have the 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 luxury of being able to draw from the apple the vast catalog so it is a radio show now, but um, it's, I just got tired of the full story not being told mm. and, and feeling like we only talk about the same five artists all the time. Right. And it only starts in 1968 and it right. doesn't go beyond that. And, you know, your, fav- your favorite favorites learned everything that they know from a person of color. That part. I, I love that you said that because that's exactly what Marin Morris, when she had did her acceptance speech for the Country Music Awards and she gave props, she gave respect where respect was due. And I love the interview that you had with her because she mentioned you by name, mm-hmm. you know, and she talked about, you know, her influence and the country music artists of color that deserve to be 
respected and to really have that level of success and all of that kind of stuff. So how did that make you feel in terms of just hearing her? Because I remember when you posted it and I was like, yes, say her name, say her name, say her name. Well, <laughs> I think let's start there. Okay. That's the most important thing. She said this on the show and it has stuck with me because it's like, it's the cornerstone of why I do what I do. Yeah. You never know what kind of blessings are awaiting you because someone said your name in a room that you're not in. That part, come on now. So the whole idea behind the show is this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to talk about those people. I'm gonna say those names. Right. We're gonna talk about it and you're gonna to get to know them even though they may not be here to speak for themselves. Sure. Because they are important and they mattered. Right. So that's really important to me. Like very, very important to me. and. Mm. For her to do that, she didn't have to do it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that was required. It wasn't something that anybody would have missed had she not said it. Sure. And we all would have gone on and lived our lives normal and everything would have been fine. Right. But decided to take that moment, mm -hmm. speak names that weren't in the room, had no clue. Like, I don't, I had never met her. And okay. So, and so it wasn't like we're girlfriends or anything. And okay. so- she took the time to do that and to speak my name in a room that I was not present in mm. and set off a lot of bells. Mm. And so, yeah, it's important. So it's like, that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a living, a living story. Yeah. A living terrible what happened there. Right. And yeah. I, I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of people had a lot to say and of course, you know, oh, it's performative. And I don't think it was performative because right. she didn't have to do it. Right. What did she gain from it? What did she gain? Right. You know? But she lost a lot doing it. I'm pretty sure. A lot of people were um, not happy. Yeah, no, not everybody wants your name to be called, you know, and just listening to the interview that you you did with the, those those young ladies um, and talking about that, you know, just some of the backlash that she received and um, the other woman, Cam, that was also mm -hmm. talking about some of the feedback, like, well, that's not really, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's why what you're doing is so very important because it's a conversation now more than ever where we have to begin to break down those walls. And when we talk about allies, mm. ally to me means action. Yes, exactly. It's not a, ally is not a hashtag. Ash, uh, uh, ally is not just, you know, um, putting a post on your or wearing some cool t-shirt ally is action which looks like say my name in the room yeah speak your truth no matter who likes it even if it costs you something to speak exactly. the truth that's what real allies look like to me in this day and age so i was really appreciative and really grateful because it's amazing and and i don't care i mean we're talking about the music industry but it's the same thing in a corporate Everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same, the same. everywhere, all around the world. What digital underground say all around the world, the same song. Like it's, <laughs> this is how this works. Yeah. It's, it, this is how white supremacy works. And mind you, when I say white supremacy, cause I, I, I've gotten into this argument too. Okay. That white supremacy means all white people. And it's like, no, y'all are affected by it as well. Mm -hmm. Like white people on, on a regular are, are debilitated and cut off at the knees by white supremacy as well. Because Talk about it, that. Yeah. Because it's, it's in the form of, I mean, like, let's, I mean, just for one second, let's get into politics. Let's Go talk ahead. about elections. Okay. And I'm not telling anybody to how to vote or anything, but sure. when you can, when you can see, there's a, an amazing book called Strangers in Their Own Country. Oh, okay. My favorite books. Yeah. I'll write that down. And it's a uh, writer went to this uh, small town in Louisiana mm -hmm. and talked to these people. And like Louisiana has the highest instance of like environmental just devastation. Okay. Because of deregulation. And so companies can go to New Orleans, uh, I mean, to Louisiana and just like dump. They can set on fire. They can frack. They can do whatever. And people continue to vote to let them do it. And so like there is this particular parish where almost like, I want to say like 40% of the people have cancer. 
What? And you can light the water on fire. And people have had to leave like neighborhoods because of sinkholes, because of like just the digging and all kinds of stuff. Wow. And still continue to vote against their best interests. Wow. They continue to vote for deregulation. They continue to vote for all these things because they feel like mm. it is sold to them that the other side wants to give your money to the poor people that don't want to work. The oh. other side wants to give all the things that you work hard for to these people, these Ill illegals, yeah. these lazy welfare queens, yeah. these people that drive Mercedes and get food stamps and all that. <laughs> and so right. they believe all of these anecdotes, not okay. facts, anecdotes and opinions mm -hmm. and continue to vote against themselves. That's how white supremacy kills everybody in the okay. end. Okay. Nobody's left in the end when that's the dogma that you follow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. I, I, that, I thank you for explaining that. And, and that's a very clear <laughs> yeah. example. Like, I get it. You're so afraid. It mm -hmm. comes down to that fear. And it comes down to you holding on to this sense of power that you will, you will keep it no matter what, even if it kills sure. you, literally. Mm -hmm. Because I need something that makes me feel like, number one, that I'm going to be these people in a minute yeah. and I'm not you. Right. So whatever it is that keeps me squarely in a different box than you. Right. That's what I'm holding on to. And that's the sad part. And so as an artist, you know, you have another song that I absolutely love called We Are Seeds. And so you guys got to listen to this song and watch this video, which I, I, it's just really, really powerful. Can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you? Because that's one of the things that I love about you is that you're very vocal, not just using your voice as a singer, but you speak out, you're brave and you're courageous and you don't mind speaking out and speaking your truth. You know, you speak truth to power um, without apology. And I love that about you because so many people are so consumed with fitting in, being liked, getting the likes, all of that kind of stuff. And you can't win trying to please everybody. You have to be authentically who you are and the audience that is meant for you will connect with you and recognize that you're not for everybody, period. Not everybody can handle you. Not everybody wants the truth. They wanna keep the, the, you know, this whole like silliness going. And here you go trying to wake people up. They're like, shut up. Shut up, Reese. Cut it out with all your truth talking. You know what I mean? But you do that. You do that in your podcast when you go out performing and you do that through your music. So talk about We Are Seeds and what inspired you. Where did that come from in you as a songwriter to write that song? Um, I was pissed. I was, um, this was after, this was in 2014 and okay. this was after Michael Brown. Okay. And uh, which seems like, such a, a fever dream mm. right now in, in, in the midst of everything that we're dealing with right. now last right. year. But um, yeah, it was from um, him. And I remember sitting in, I remember exactly where I was. I was in, we were in Florida mm -hmm. on vacation the day that they announced that they were not going to bring charges against the police officer that killed him. Wow. And I watched the city of Ferguson be besieged with, <laughs> you know, military and, and oath keepers and agitators and people in this town that have been dealing with this sort of thing for a long time, people that have been in St. Louis yeah. dealt with things for a long time. Right. No people there. I, I have friends there that I went to school with. Okay. Um, my producer, for this last project is from Ferguson, like wow. lives and breathes and works and act does activism, everything in Ferguson. So like- I, You have a connection it, to it. Yeah, it was personal. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, I know that I can't pick up and take my baby and go to Ferguson, Missouri right now. Right. So what can I do from, you know, from Florida, from Durham, North Carolina, what can I do? Yeah. And I saw this quote, and it was, they tried to cut us down. They didn't know that we were seeds. And I was like, there's something there. And so I started playing with it. Yeah. Got with my two co-writers and just wrote 
what I was feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Um, With your permission, I'd like to play that song. You know, at the end of the podcast, I have to end with We Are Seas because the words are so powerful and your delivery just, you know, the you can hear the cry in your voice, which is so beautiful. And it's like a, it's an affirmation. It's a reminder to us that we are seas. What are some of the words? Can you tell us a little bit of what the words are to that song? Sure. Like first verse, brothers and sisters, don't believe what you've been sold. They can bury your body, but never touch your soul. soul. Mm -hmm. They built you a prison and locked up your mind, told you that you're nothing and filled your head with lies. You can't act too free, act too proud, shine too bright and speak too loud. Mm. When they try to cut you down, that's when you got to stand your ground. And when they bury our dreams, we push them up through concrete. We groan where they can't see. These roots run deep because we are seeds. We are seeds. We rise up. Nobody no. can stop us. No mm-hmm. wall can block us. Yes. We can't stop love. We are seeds. We are seeds, y'all. Come on now. We talking about Black Music Month. We talking Black music. This is Black music. And I don't care whether the genre is country, gospel, whatever you call it. It's about us as artists telling our story, using our voice, just like our elders did, whether it's Nina Simone and all of the greats, um, all of the legends that have left us this mantle to mm-hmm. tell your story. It's our story to be told and only we can tell it. And that's what makes it black music, no matter what genre we're singing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you are, um, you're a mom of two beautiful daughters mm-hmm. and so am I, um, but I'm a little bit ahead of you in that. Oh, you're <laughs> You're closer to the end of the tunnel than I am. <laughs> oh, yes. Let me tell you, it's so wonderful when you get here. It's wonderful and then it's not. It just shifts. So I, my daughters are 23 and 19. And your Grace just turned 10. I saw that she turned 10. And the baby's like, what? She's not even two yet, right? She just turned two. She just turned two. Right, so yeah. talk to me about, as a Black woman especially, being a mother of daughters what that means to you and your children are biracial as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting, um, it's, a whole, a, other, it's yeah. a whole other extra. Yeah. That's a thing wow. there. Yeah. It is. Talk about, I guess what your, it's so, it's so much we could say when we talk about our daughters, but what's the one thing that you would want your daughters to, okay, I'm going to take it here. And I don't mean to be, too emotional, but I just want to keep it real. Now you shared with us that your your biological mom passed when you were seven years old. Yes. Is that right? And so, and one of the things that we learned in the pandemic, and I keep reiterating this because I don't want us to ever forget. It's just like 9-11, right? We have that mantra, we yeah. will never forget. And for the pandemic, we must never forget the awakening, yes. the sad and painful awakening that we've all heard, had through this traumatic experience, right? But it taught us how short life is. Yes. How tragic and unexpected, like things can happen for real, for real. So it's like, all we have is today being fully present in this moment. I think that was the the greatest gift that the pandemic could teach Mm -hmm. us when the world was shut down and all we could do was be present with each other and just talk. What's the one thing that God forbid you want to leave with your children? What are those girls need to absolutely know. And there's a million things they need to know. But what do you want them? They got to know this if you don't teach them nothing else. I I don't want them to have fear. That's the biggest thing. Because I, I think so many of us, I mean, you can look at it from so many angles. Like I think a lot of us as Black women, we have been raised by, or Black people, period. We have been raised by people that wanted to keep us safe. Yeah, And so they instilled a lot of fear in us because of that wanting us to be safe and wanting us to be okay and not taken or murdered or killed or whatever. Sure. And so I am trying to kill a lot of the generational fear that was instilled in me and my girls. I love that. And um, I'm really trying very hard. I hear people say this all the time and and it it almost sounds cliche, but I am. I'm trying to raise free (laughs) color. Like I really am. And I want them to, I want them to be kids. 
Mm. And I want them to enjoy girlhood without the baggage that the shame and the baggage that a lot of us carry because of the fear. To this day. Yes. Still unpacking to this day. Programming myself. And like, and everybody did the best that they could and everyone loved me and took care of me and all of that. Like, I don't have any of those issues, but I, but it still was there. Yeah. My grandmother had it. My mother had it. My, 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 my stepmother, my second mother had it. Like we all just had it just cause that's what we all were raised like. And so yeah, that's the biggest thing. I just, I want to kill any fear. And I also want them, you know, you touched on them being biracial. I also want them cause this has been something that I've been struggling with. Like, okay. you know, my babies are black. I'm black. My kids are black. We're black. We're black. But like, <laughs> No, they're not. They're half white. And yeah. so they need to honor that part of themselves as well. And they, they need to feel free and okay and 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 safe yes. honoring all sides of themselves. That's good. And finding the good in all sides of themselves. I don't want anybody walking out of here hating this side or this side or wanting to retreat and say that there's something, you know what I mean? I don't want any imitation of life issues. Mm. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I try really hard to surround them with people of all shapes, sizes, colors. Yes. And there's so much for you to, to get from, and there's so much for you to be proud of. Oh Yeah in the circle of love that I surround my children with. And so I, I just want them, yeah, I want them to to go out in the world confidently without fear. Yeah. And okay with who they are. I love that. I love that. So, and you talked about the circle of love. And so you've been married for 11 years. 11 years. July. Yeah. So talk about how you, you know, when people look at you from the outside looking in, they think, oh, that's a woman that's got it all, right? She's singing. She's a freaking rock star. She's got a beautiful husband. She's got the beautiful kids. She's living her dream. She's doing all of these different things. Talk about, can you have it all, right? And, (laughs) right, right? And how do you balance out all of that? Because a lot of times, you're all over the place. You're in Nashville, you're performing and, you know, aren't you supposed to be home taking care of them babies and right. cooking and, and and taking care of your man? You know what I mean? All of these things that we come against. What does it look like really for Reese Palmer? How do you, how do you balance being all of these different things to everybody and taking well, care of you? Oh, that's, that's the question. That um, part, that last part, right. Take care of me, me. Oh yeah. Me. <laughs> Um, I think you can have it all, but it'll cost you. It'll cost you. <laughs> it's going to cost you an arm, a leg. I mean, yeah. I don't know. You got to give up figure something. What it, what, you figure out what you want to give up. You want, you want gray roots. You want wrinkles. What you want? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, um, you know, that's why I don't like, one of the things I hate about social media is that all you get is pictures. Yeah. And so like, you don't see that, like, you see Brian and I standing next to each other, holding our babies. Like, you don't oh. see it like me and Brian just cussed each other out. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't see that like, you know, I'm like, I'm going to sleep downstairs tonight. How about that? Like, you don't see any of the real that's going on behind the scenes. And like, yeah, Brian and I have been together for 11 years. It has been a hard fought 11 years. Has it? And yeah, it has. Because really? like, we've just been through a lot of, there's, we just, we've been through a lot of changes. Like when Brian and I got married, I was 28 years old okay. and I had just gotten out of my record deal mm-hmm. and I was broke, like okay. literally and figuratively broke. Cause I had just fought my, for my freedom in court, mm. I had no money. I came to this relationship with nothing Okay. and started out just as a housewife because I wasn't sure I wanted to do music again after everything that I'd been through. Yeah. And I slowly but surely started building this back up again mm-hmm. with his help. And our dynamic has changed a lot. Okay. 
as things start to change for me, it also changes here at this house. And so um, it's been an adjustment. And I will say that I am a person that is a firm believer in counseling and in therapies and in all of that. And so like for real it'll life, it'll yeah. save your marriage. It'll do all of that. Yeah. And like, we always haven't been the best at fighting and we're trying to get better as we both get older. Okay. And for our girls. Yeah. But, um, it's not always what it looks like on social media. Like it, I, I say that to say like, we're still fighting for it and we're still together because we love each other. Right. And there is always the basis of love in our friendship. Yes. But like, no, nothing is perfect over here. And as far as balance is concerned, it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday struggle to yeah. make balance. Like I just, for me, I want, it was important to me to honor my husband. Yeah. In our relationship um, and to honor my children. Because neither one of them were like signed up for the Reese Palmer show. They, <laughs> like, right. they just were like, I'm here. You brought me here. Where's my food? Where's into, my into your whole, right, right, cyclone. <laughs> so I was like, I don't, girl, I don't know anything about this, in, this interview you got or this album that you're working on. I'm hungry. Like, what is the problem? Can we just so, eat seriously? <laughs> yeah. playing with me? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. So, because I made a vow and a commitment to honor those two very important things. Yeah. And in turn, I'm honoring God because of that and yes. trying to honor myself in that. Mm -hmm. You have to adjust. And so it's just like an everyday thing. Like there are things that I have to say no to. Yeah. Really great things that I want to do. And <laughs> that I hope about, but I can't do them because I if I do them, then I have to just, that takes another hour away from my girls. Yeah. It's another hour away from my husband. And so it's hard. It's, I mean, like, and I do it begrudgingly with my teeth grinding and like all of that, but said that I want, and like, you know, my girlfriends, again, my circle of love yeah, <laughs> right. reminds me all the time, like, girl, them kids didn't sign up for that. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. They did not sign up for that. So no, I have to say no to it. Isn't it something? It's yeah. really, it's really something. I think about that a lot, you know, just that balance of giving to yourself. So with that, as we begin to close, um, can you leave us with some advice? Because one of the things that I'm really passionate about with this forum for the Urban Parlay podcast is I want it to be a source of inspiration mm -hmm. for people that whatever their dream is, whatever their passion is, I, you know, at 47 years old, you know, I meet so many different people that are adults um, and they didn't live out their dream. They never mm -hmm. had that moment to be in the spotlight, whatever that spotlight might look like for them because they had these to make the sacrifice of children or family or whatever the case may be, but there's still that something in them that they wanna still have their moment. Life is not over and it's never too late. You're never too old. Like as long as you have breath in your body, right. yes, you have, to, you have to honor your commitments, but never discount yourself as an individual. I tell my children all the time, yes, I'm your mother, but I'm not just your mother. I am Sandra DeBose. And she is a whole individual and she, you know, she has more, more to do than just being your mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I have to give her that because when you go on about your business and start your family and your life, I'm still left with what's on my to-do list, my bucket list of what I owe to me and what I owe to God. Cause he gave me more than one responsibility, right. not, not just to be your mother, but to give to do what he gave me to do in the world and bless the world in the way that I've been called to do so. So I really want people to always have that source of inspiration and a reminder that it's not too late for them either. And it's possible mm -hmm. when they see someone like Reese Palmer, who's doing the daggone thing, making great strides. Yes, it's gonna cost you. However, it can be done. And yeah. there's no greater reward than knowing I've done my best and I've reached some of the things that I wanted to do in my life. So what advice would you give to those people that might be watching that just need a little encouragement to step out and make it happen for them too? Um, that's a great question. And first of all, Sandra, like 
so good. Like I love, I love listening to you. Like, oh, thank you. You're always like a fountain of wisdom, but like I just love listening. You have a beautiful voice. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, sis. You didn't ask for all that, but anyway, I appreciate um, you. <laughs> I just wanted you to know. Um, thank you. I think the biggest takeaway. Gosh, this is perfect. Okay, so this weekend I was sitting and I was talking to a really good friend um, who's known me for years. Okay. And has been on this journey with me for a long time. Okay. And watched, you know, how things have changed. And she said, the thing about you is you never, you persisted. She said, you have never given up. You have always created your own momentum and like just always just moved forward. Right. And... She said, there's a lesson in that for everyone. And, and so I say to you, and I say to the people watching, there's no such thing as it's too late. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been doing this since I was 17 years old. Right. And been as close as I thought I was ever going to get okay. to name recognition, fame, whatever you want to call it, and then lost everything. Mm. and started from nothing went from playing theaters and opening you know at in, in being an opening act in a stadium to playing coffee houses mm. 20 people come on now again and the thing that I tried to never lose sight of is why I was doing it and if it's something that you love and if it's something that you're passionate about if it's the thing that you can't sleep without thinking about just do it just do it and it the pieces will fall together now you may not become Beyonce like I, I can't promise you that <laughs> right and you don't want to really and you don't want to be, be like <laughs> you really don't I think everybody has that piece of success mm -hmm. everybody gets that success that may not necessarily look like what you think it's supposed to look like or what society tells you success is. Right. But it's still success. Yes. And it's your success. That it's part. not mine. It's not Sandra's. It's not anybody else's. It's yours. Right. And you hold on to that and, and, and you honor that. Uh -huh. And, and you in turn will be honored. And so I just really, I, I believe in just keep going keep going. It sounds cliche, but do it. Just keep going. Keep chipping away at the rock. That's right. That's right. You're exactly right. And I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, what I always say to myself, because I'm still on my journey, I'm still on my path, just mm -hmm. like you, you know, during COVID, it's like, okay, how do we pivot? What are we going to do now? You know what I mean? I can't go out, shake a tail feather. So. <laughs> What else you got? It's, it's right. like, take your smooth radio voice, Sandra, and get you a little podcast. You yes. know what I mean? It's like, exactly. okay, we'll do this now. You know what I mean? Be willing to kind of figure out a new way to do it. But I'll tell you one thing, and it's not easy at all. I feel so alive. Mm. I am fully activated. Mm -hmm. I'm fully alive. And can't nobody take that away from me. So when, it, when the end comes, they're going to say, she showed up. Yeah, she showed she, up. She showed out. She yeah. tried. She tried some of your thing. <laughs> all of the things she did. All of the things that she wanted to do. Now it might have been a great success or a little quiet success, but it was my success mm -hmm. because I did it, mm -hmm. and that's all I set out to do was to do it. So, to those of you who are listening, watching. Do it, do it and do it now. There's no time like the present. And Reese Palmer, how can people stay connected, follow you, listen to you, get your music? Tell them how they can reach you. I can be found doing all things. <laughs> all things. Palmer Music. <laughs> yes. Um, um, the show, you can also go to colormecountry.com and it gives you information on the past episodes what's coming up and also the artist fund that I started as a result of the show. Nice. And um, yeah, and I'm about to actually launch this Sunday, a new initiative, yet another thing. Okay. Um, a program called Seeds um, where I try to demystify the music business. And so our first um, 90 minute session is going to be all about publishing. 
Yeah. And some of my friends from the publishing world are going to speak directly to songwriters, uh, regardless of genre, but just directly to songwriters. Nice. Publishing. How do you get the song done? How do you get it out there? All of that. So great. Planning on doing this like once a month. So yeah. So everything can be found at ReeseyPalmerMusic.com. I totally will be um, tuning in to that, especially when it comes to the publishing and the songwriting, because we need to know how to make that money because- Yelma's money. Come on now. We talking about legacy. We got children and we need to leave an inheritance to our children's children. So yeah, we like to shake a tail feather, but we also want to sit up in the shade and drink a little glass of lemonade. (laughs) Tail feathers when we want to, not because- have to (laughs) exactly because we want to that's right so everyone thanks again for listening we're going to close out the show again with the song seeds this is seeds by reese palmer the incomparable reese palmer sister thank you so much for your time and energy i know you you got laundry to fold and babies (laughs) to read books to and all that good stuff so i'm gonna let you get back to it but thank you for your time your spirit keep doing what you're doing we're going to keep supporting you um, it's making a difference. You are inspiring. You're amazing. We can't wait for your new album and all the great things that you have coming out. Look forward to that. Okay. Thanks. Same, all of that same energy to you. Thank you for having thank, me. Thank you, sis. And to those of you listening, I just, listen, like I said, it's Black Music Month, but don't get it twisted. Er day. We represent er day. Tell them I said it. <laughs> So you guys have a blessed one. I look forward to uh, being with you again next week. Um, And in the meantime, I bid you adieu. I wish you peace and I wish you blessings. Brothers and sisters, they may break your bones. They can bury your body, but only release your soul. They may build you a prison, never a cage.